Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. It's a Friday in Lent. I'm going to start in the first section talking about a theme. And the theme is face, embrace, and replace. And it's just sort of as a spirituality of, of a Friday in Lent. And then on the the rest of the program, Carrie will be joining me. And we're going to talk about films and books and uh, fellowship and food once again on a Friday in Lent, just to kind of help walk with you and share with you things that we're doing. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of this Friday in Lent. In Jesus' name, I ask, Lord, that you would bless us, Lord, with all the graces we need to enter into this Lenten journey. Lord, we repent for our weakness, for the way that the flesh continues to exert itself against our desires to honor you and to follow you in all things. Lord, we are humbled again and again by uh, the way that we fall short. Lord, help us to understand um, how to move forward. Help us to understand how it is you are walking with us into a desert uh, that would set us free from the, the, the personal Egypts of our own slavery and that you would prepare us for the freedom to live victoriously and as a, a redemptive uh, to live the redemptive radiance that you will for our lives in Jesus holy name amen and with the father and the son and the holy spirit amen hey i like that phrase i said that, that before in my whole life redemptive radiance um uh, maybe it's better said the radiance of sharing in the redemption <laughs> it's not as a uh, short but it's it's a little clearer. Uh, and that's actually true. What what the Lord wills for us is that he loves us so much. He's so passionately consumed with setting us free that the freedom he sets us, uh, that he has set aside for us, is an elevation into a, a, this new status that is ours as children of God. And that's not just a poetic phrase. It is a recognition of the reality that we share in a new creation where we participate in the divine life. We depict, we participate in God's own life. And that has as a fruit, a particular radiance. We will radiate into the created world, something of God's uncreated life. And the radiance of God's own life will, uh, will manifest a sense of peace, a sense of power, a sense of joy. By power, I don't mean dominance. I mean um, capacity, capability. Uh, there is a joy 
there is a freedom, there is light, there is life. All of these are attributes of, of, of being in union with the divine son of God. Being a member of the church, being in union with Christ, it makes a difference. And Lent is so much more than us just doing stuff. You know, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. It is about doing those things that will both set us free from our own personal Egypt, from that place of slavery where we're in bondage, that's principally to the flesh, but also the world and the devil, and then also forms us through ascetical spiritual disciplines and practices to be a more radiant witness in the promised land that God has for our lives, that we're called upon to live here. I, I need to say that again and again, brothers and sisters. It is such an important reminder that the meaning, the value of your acts of abstaining from meat today, your acts of of um of extending yourself in prayer, restraining yourself in fasting, giving more of yourself in almsgiving. These are powerful uh, tools, means that we enter into that process of purification and formation and, and, uh, and severing connection from sinful things and fostering deeper bond, bonds of, of life-giving um, connection to godly things, right? That's what's at stake in Lent. It's not just doing Catholic stuff. Uh, okay, so getting clear is important. I mentioned during the break, oh, before, before, before Carrie gets here, I'm going to ask a favor. Tomorrow's her birthday. She's going to join me in a little bit. She couldn't be here at the beginning of the program. Uh, tomorrow's her birthday. And she has been walking with me more regularly in the month of February. Now she did that as an act of obedience. She felt called by God to simply support me more by, by walking with me and saying, honey, I'll be with you on the radio as often as I can, as, as often as every weekday, except for the Mondays, I'll be with you to the extent that I can just to support you, just to show you my loving support because she knows how much I enjoy having her on and she knows how much I benefit from having on a co-host. When I'm on with somebody else, it makes my, um, I think it makes my program much more, much more vibrant because I'm engaging with somebody. And it's often through those engaging conversations that stuff comes out, insights come out. So here we are, it's the beginning of March, tomorrow's her birthday, can you do me a favor? I have been encouraging her to come on more fully because of the feedback I get from you all. Not only do I think it's a blessing, but I hear it. it you know, if 10 people say positive things to me about, uh, about this radio program, about this program, more than nine out of 10 of them will say, unbidden, unasked, I especially like, my favorite programs are, the ones that I enjoy the most are the ones with Carrie, where the two of us are talking about marriage or family or faith, uh, the, the feedback is typically, I love the dynamic. I love the, the back and forth. I love the vulnerability, the transparency, that we're keeping it real. That it, Would you do me a favor? Please do me a favor. Tomorrow's her birthday. If you are, in fact, blessed 
by having her on the program. If you've been blessed by having her on, or if you have other feedback, if you're like, okay, hey, hey, just keep her on Fridays. If you've been blessed or you have some feedback for me, please send it to me. Please email me, tom at mycatholicfaith.org. Tom at mycatholicfaith.org. And give me your feedback. Or even better, give Carrie a birthday gift. If you want to, you you can be a blessing to me and to her. If you just gave some feedback and just said, here's my little birthday gift to Carrie in the form of feedback about what it's like having her on the program. I know that's a little bit of effort for you, but could I ask you to extend yourself a little bit of almsgiving, extend yourself, not asking for money, I'm asking for a little bit of your time, a little bit of thoughtfulness and uh, honest feedback, honest feedback for Carrie and me and do it as a birthday gift to Carrie. Do it or just do it as an expression of gratitude to me. I would appreciate that very much. And again, I'm asking for that. Carrie doesn't know I'm asking for it. Uh, She's not here. (laughs) And so um, that would be beautiful. That would be a wonderful gift if you could get that to me today, today, tomorrow's her birthday. Tom at mycatholicfaith.org. I would really, truly appreciate it. Okay. I mentioned during the opening segment that when Carrie gets here, we are going to talk about things in Lent that we have talked about the last couple of Fridays, which are um, recommended films to watch about saints so we, or holy people. And we've got a couple of really cool movies about John Paul II and about a guy named Molly, which is amazing. And then um, a couple of books and some food items to share as well. But I want to talk to you about uh, this this simple phrase. And it's so fascinating because the three words that I shared, which are face, embrace, and replace, actually came from that video that I critiqued a couple of days ago with Kerry, where this fellow was talking about love and, and it was not very clear and clean and... <laughs> It was sad, but it was speaking to a need that people have to learn. But in the midst of it, he said something and he didn't even realize what he was saying. And I was able to kind of crunch it down into three words. And those three words are face, embrace, and replace. So I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to borrow from him something that he didn't say quite so clearly like that, but I'm going to draw it out and apply it to our Lenten journey, which is in a more intensified version than a journey that we make as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ. And so, okay, let's start with the first one, to face. Well, isn't that in fact what happens in our Lenten journey? If we're not facing, like coming to more self-knowledge, able, like by face means what? To take a, a clear look at to look at in a in a new way, maybe in a fresh way, like look in the mirror, right? How often do people say, hey, you should look in the mirror. And by that, they mean you're not aware of how you're coming across right now. You're not really aware of what's going on or how you're doing right now. So to face something means to take an honest look, maybe a rigorous look, to, to take a look that maybe we haven't uh, been able to appreciate in in the ordinary course of things. Well, let me ask, is that happening for you? 
I hope it is. I know it's happening for me. I shared a bit about that journey, the way in which I am facing my own fleshly um, resistance and rebellion, precisely as I'm attempting to take on and live out my Lenten, uh, I'll call them obligations. My, it's not, not the obligations because those are so easy, but the Lenten call, the Lenten disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. The Lord is surfacing before me a an honest moment of recognition, facing. Last couple of days, I've been facing the theme of almsgiving. It's shown up in the prayer. It's shown up in the scriptures. Did you go to mass yesterday? Did you hear the story of the rich man and Lazarus? And the homily that I heard was about, you know, are, are we like the rich man? And a couple of the office of readings in the last couple of days have also been challenging. And a couple of the homilies I listened to on YouTube uh, during uh, Lent have also had that as a theme. So I'm facing some of the brokenness or the limits or the, let's call it the, the lack of awareness that is present in my life in those areas precisely because I have, um, I have, in the course of the day-to-day -day life, not not taken time to face it. Oh, oh, what was a fascinating one? Yesterday in the program, we did this live examination of conscience, and the homily from the following morning was, maybe you need to do an examination of conscience about how you are living uh, with your riches. And I was just like, oh, that is so funny. Did that priest hear my radio program? Is he sticking it in my face? No, I mean, that's not a good way of saying it. <laughs> the Lord did it. All right. So that's face. Okay. The second word, what was the second word? Do you remember? It's face embrace. You see one of the keys to spiritual growth. One of the most important aspects of spiritual growth is that we don't overcome many of our brokennesses because of our approach to them. We often focus on rejecting, severing and repelling from our lives these parts of our lives that are disgusting to us or are disappointing to us or we get discouraged by them. And the there, there is definitely an aspect of spiritual growth that involves rejecting, renouncing, and um, casting away. But there's a subtle distinction between those things that we renounce and repel and reject and ourselves, the ones who are caught up in situations and in a way of living that manifests those brokennesses. And what can happen is subtly that we don't embrace ourselves. Yes, even embracing the one, embracing myself at that point where I fail. Okay, did you hear the distinction? I'm not embracing the the failure as the evil, the brokenness. I'm not I'm not embracing that failure. I'm embracing myself as one who failed. That is critical because the Lord embraces us. He doesn't embrace the failure. He embraces us as ones who failed. I, I hold on to that distinction. It is so important.
You see, it's it's when we're able to embrace ourselves as ones who struggle with things, who who are broken in certain ways, who who fall short, that then the Lord is able, then we're able to present ourselves to the Lord in that condition. And you know what the Lord's able to do? Replace. You see, it's when we face and embrace, then we replace. We replace ourselves from simply being in those conditions by placing ourselves into the heart of Christ, into the hands of the Lord, into his cross, so that he can crucify us at the places in our flesh that will then lead to a resurrection. There it is. All right, up against a break. When we come back, Carrie is joining me. Welcome back to the program and welcome to the program. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Tom. I'm so glad you're here. I know you, you are. You made it. That <laughs> is so nice. I was talking about you. I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> All right. I got the last uh, three words. What were the last three words? Do you remember? Uh, replace. No, that was the third one. Uh, face. face, trace, no. mace. Face, embrace, embrace. Repla- replace. That actually came from that video, Carrie. The the fellow when you gave it to me, I thought, oh, he didn't he didn't use it in the same way I did because he doesn't have a Christian context or even a faith based context. But um, I got three words for you. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh, cool. What are your words? Stash, cash, trash. Okay. Stash. So stash is probably food because in our house you kind of stash away the the goodies. Um. Cash, okay, that's going to be hopefully like stewardship or maybe what's a deal. You used to do those like deals around Black Friday and Christmas season, but maybe it's uh, almsgiving stewardship. I just appreciate that you're making a really good effort to figure this out. It all has to do with getting rid of clothes and cleaning out your closet. Oh, really? Oh, you did this a couple of years. You did that like 40 days, 40 40 40 days, 40 bags. Uh, I just was listening to a podcast and it was... Take your clothes, stash the ones that you're not sure if you want to get rid of. So kind of in a box above the closet. Cash, which clothes can you now go sell at consignment? Because that's a thing. And then the last box is trash. You just need to get rid of it. Oh, I like my theology of Lent (laughs) use of those words better. I just think it's funny that (laughs) a lot of people try to rhyme different uh, words to help send a lesson across the bow. It's like here, oh, this is how you can remember you it. Yeah, yes. no, people use memory devices all the time to to be able to help with that. Now let's use that with in a marriage relationship. Cash, stash, trash. Okay, so stash is when I go in the closet and I look behind your shirts and I find some wrappers of candy bars. And I'm thinking, okay, so here's, I found her and I look for your stash. No, you, you do a good job of hiding candy. And sometimes I'll, it's not from you. It's from the kiddos. No, I know. I know. It makes it sound like, oh, yes, I have had to hide things uh, from, from you too, but from all of us. Um, no, I was just joking. I have no idea how that would relate to relationships. It be, It could be a game though. You could do a board game where you have three words. And then you have to do some kind of association and whoever has the best one, you vote on it. If, well, I like, like that, mine better than the, <laughs> like your podcasts. Okay. Though that sounds like... A boulder dash? No, the, the stash, cash, trash sounds like my time management 
stuff that I do. I used to do with my clients. Uh, stash is defer. What are the things you're going to defer? Cash, uh, what are the things you're going to do and that are, that are going to make you money? And then trash are the things you delete from Just your list. Focus. You got to focus. You got to get rid yeah. of all those extra. Well, then you need another one, which is, let's see. Mash. Pass. Because that's, you have to delegate is the last one. Oh, got it. Okay. So I'll have to think about that. Okay. Back on track. What, what are we talking about? Well, I, I already announced everyone. We're going to talk about films oh. and we're going to talk about food and we're going to talk about fellowship. So there you go. The F's. Yeah. The F's for faith and family Friday, right. but it's a Friday in Lent. And so we're picking up on our theme where one of the things that we want our kids to do is to even pull back further their access to um, to the smart TV, to, to videos and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I don't even know if there is a, like you said yesterday when we were at dinner time, you said, hey, we've given up all TV during Lent except for faith-filled movies. And I wasn't aware of that. I mean, <laughs> Well, no, the reason was, is we don't, we don't sit down and really watch TV as a family. So it's more, we'll watch a show. Um, And I know that sort of the default setting for our, our connected devices is that they're paused. So the kids don't really get free, quick or easy access to like watching a show. Uh, However, there is something very important going on right now. Is this your fellowship? Basketball, the basketball tournament, the one B to be division basketball tournament happening at the Spokane arena uh, is happening. It's an idol. All right. <laughs> if you want great fellowship, uh, Friday night treasures of the faith, uh, March 1st, that's today. And at the cathedral of our lady of Lords, there's a speaker that comes it's from six to nine. So it's Eucharistic miracles with Dr. Scott French and there's candlelight adoration and sacred music, time for confession, prayer, meditation with the Dominican friars, blah, blah, blah. It's I think it's the first year they're doing it. It sounds really beautiful. And that's what we're doing tonight. Yeah. So fellowship with other Catholics. It's a first Friday. It's a great way to uh, be together in prayer on a Friday night during Lent. And to t- to cherry on top, Eucharistic, the year of Eucharistic revival. So the attempt to foster a greater sense of devotion and uh, recognition of the true presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Yes. And, you know, for folks, I think a lot of folks that are listening to the program are probably aware of Eucharistic miracles where the, the Eucharist will become a, like a piece of flesh or take on a fleshly quality and then, the, and, and, and some have some blood be associated with that as well. So I think he's going to take a look at, the, some of the amazing aspects of Eucharistic miracles that have happened in the history of the church. I've heard a lot more about that in the last few years. And I think you were listening to something when I went to bed the other day. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Aiken did a podcast. He has this mysterious world, Jimmy Aiken's mysterious world podcast. People out here know him from Catholic answers. And so I decided to look up his Eucharistic miracles podcast because he does a he does a very thoughtful um you know podcast where he he looks at things from the standpoint of faith and reason and uh and so it tends to be a wonderful summary and he looked at five 
Eucharistic miracles through the history of the church and laid out, you know, like some of the, some of the aspects that you probably won't hear about. He talks about, he, he, he uses the phrase chain of custody, right? So the miracle at Lanciano goes back to like the, the eighth century, but you don't have any historically traceable chain of custody for until several hundred years later where it starts to show up in written form. And, and, you know, it's, that doesn't mean that it's not true, but he just brings up aspects of things that people that are not uh, in the faith that they might not think about or, or they would, they would consider important. Right. And, and even though we wouldn't, we wouldn't be held back by them. So, okay, Carrie, let's get started though. I, I need to begin with this film section of our program. Uh, I know that we have highlighted so far saint movies. My first week was St. Philip Neri, uh, I Prefer Heaven, and Bakita, right? Uh, the, from Slave to Saint, and St. John Bosco. And then last week was Free Burma Rangers and... Sister Claire Crockett. Sister, that's right. Sister Claire Crockett. Uh, both All are, or nothing. All or nothing. And those were like real people. And so we have another one of those folks. I mean, I, I, I'm welling up just bringing up the movie. It's that powerful. It's about a fellow named Charles Mully, M-U-L-L-Y. And you can get to him by going to mullythemovie.com. It's about this Kenyan street orphan who ended up becoming very wealthy. And now he has the largest family in the world. Oh, really? He's yeah. adopted that many orphans. Do you know how or... many kids he has? Well, no. in the movie, I think he had 300-ish. Okay, so no, you got to say, we're kind of giving away the movie a bit here, but you you will cry at the end of the movie. It's so powerful. Are you crying? I'm Tell just, Carrie, God, it's <laughs> so beautiful. It's God. He has over 3,500 kids now. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? We Wasting waiting? our lives. Okay, so yeah, the guy's story is so amazing. It's so full of God. It's so full of faith. It's so full of miracles. It's so full of, they go all in. This guy becomes super wealthy and goes all in for God saying, I have to rescue these street orphans. And it's just this huge issue in Kenya. And he's going to tackle it on. And his family gets signed up, his kids, natural birth, kids. It's like nine kids. I don't know he's got like, no, no, not that many. Not that many. He's like it's, four or five kids. No, no, no. He has a big amount. You like, sure? Yes. Because some of them, they hit, they even would send away to get educated. Okay. Well, a number of them are, have joined in on the company, right? But so, but there's this video, Carrie, I watched just some of it. I couldn't even watch the whole thing. So I, Is this an addition to the movie? Yeah. So after the movie, you go to the website, they now have an update after the movie. Okay. And it shows the world premiere of the movie in Hollywood. And they all show up and the family's all like bright eyed, like big deer in the headlights. Like, you know, all of these famous people are here in this big, beautiful theater, tuxedos. Everyone's all dressed up. And there's this huge crowd that shows up and they're all cheering him on. And that could have been his total experience of Hollywood what the guy does he goes out onto the streets he goes down to quote unquote skid row 
goes to Skid Row and he starts talking with the homeless people there. And he just wants to bring them the love of Jesus and a smile. And, and this guy that is there, he's like, I, I don't like people. I, I, you know, I'm short with them. I'm angry. I don't like all this. But when I saw that guy's look on his face and he reached out and he touched me in the peace, he just said, I just changed. And he does a, he does a premiere showing. He does a showing of the, of the film in Skid Row Community Shelter to give them hope. I mean, the guy, unbelievable. Talk about a guy. He's like, he's like Mother Teresa. He doesn't even see what the world sees in terms of who's important here. Who, who should I be attending to? What should I be like? This is his chance to hobnob with the rich and the famous and the wealthy. And what does he do? He goes down onto the streets, not just on the streets, but down into the place that everybody else avoids. He goes among them and he's hanging out with them, visiting with them, loving them, being with them. And then he goes to the community shelter. The same. Who is this guy? Molly, the movie, guys, it is so powerful. How do I really feel? I, I love the enthusiasm. Now I want to watch it again. I don't remember if our kids watched it. I know we've spoken about it before and it really was impactful, but to see what's happened in the last 10 years with his life, that would be actually pretty amazing and convicting. I think what I like about it is conviction. I like the movies that you prayed for conviction. I did. You said you remember you said, like, if I had an angel appear to me like Joan of Arc, then I'd go attack the enemy. Uh, give me a sword and a banner and let's go. But I need it. Maybe Mully is your angel to like, what are we waiting for? Kind of angel, right? That's, I think, what so many of us need. So that's one movie. Please don't let that one go. Mully, the movie. We also have one about uh, St. John Paul II. Well, think about St. John Paul II. There's like eight movies that have been written about him, which makes sense, I guess. And so you have to find the one that suits you best, or that is maybe the best reviewed because there's witness to hope. Right. And that life. one's probably a documentary, right? Uh, and that one is 2002 and it it's 7.8. And I think it was the one that was highly praised by most people, how it traces his life from very early life before the papacy. And it goes into the history of world war one, world war two, where the country is. So it's great for kids or uh, families to watch as far as historical fiction. Well, well, there's that the famous two-volume work by, what is his name? Uh, where he basically goes through every month of John Paul II's papacy, every month, and lays out what he did, as well as an extensive look at his early life. Yeah. So I bet that it's based on that work. Possibly. Well, this one, the guy says, I can't remember recommend this film strongly enough. And my only complaint is that I would have liked it to be longer, but it actually goes into interviewing him and his friends and associates. So it really is a back in time kind of movie, which I love. So that's witness to hope. I think that one got actually the best review. The other one was, um, 6.6 and it's just Pope John Paul II. It is older. And so I don't feel like it has the fullness of his life. And then there's the one with famous actors in it. And that's called Pope John Paul II as well. <laughs> but it, where was it? It was, um, I want to see when it was filmed. It was with that, um, John famous, Boyd, it was in it. I think he, he was going to play the Pope. And I, 
But maybe he bit, he got out. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure that was it was he who All right. portrayed him. And but I honestly, haven't... I have not. I don't really care for um, the like films, movies like that. I, I when when you can do a documentary, I prefer that way much over um, some other fictional portrayal of of a of somebody that you know we uh, we had a sense of deep connection to. So maybe that's what I, I thought you were going to say. I feel I prefer the books about him. Well, yeah, for sure. I, I've read so many books about John Paul II that I tend to not be as drawn to movies, just feel like they're not going to do a very good job. Yeah. Well, there's like six. Is that, is that hot? <laughs> is that hotty toddy? Or I don't know. Or... There's like six movies on him, but I think if you were to watch one with your family, it would be the one, the first one I mentioned, uh, Witness to Hope. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So those are those are a couple of uh, films that we'd recommend. Uh, Carrie, we're up against uh, our next break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about fellowship or food. Let's go. Food. Oh, food. All right, let's go to food next. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. All right, Carrie, I'm ready to talk about food. All right. <laughs> Can I talk about food Friday and failure? A no, stash? I, I think a I stash did. stash of food that I'm hiding from everybody? I think I did what you did. I went shopping on an empty stomach, and everything looked amazing and yummy and delicious. And it was, it's funny. The Just what goes through my mind, like, I can make this, I could make that. But when I get home and I'm in my kitchen, I don't feel much inspiration at all. It just disappears. And so I'm trying to remember, how did I feel again when I'm in the grocery store? So the next time I go to the store, I'm very creative and excited and I want to make all these things. And and then it's back home. Okay. I don't feel creative again. So trying to figure out that whole uh, dilemma. I don't know if other people experience that. But uh, I went on Facebook and all these moms were recommending what you can have to eat on Fridays during Lent. And it's large Catholic families. So a lot of mac and cheese, fish sticks, rice and beans, pizza, cheese pizza, <laughs> which are all great tortilla. I mean, you, when you have a lot of kids, you kind of keep it really simple or you, maybe you just have a few children, but they're under the age of eight. It's hard to do everything you're doing as a mom and then make a good meal. But lately I was at Costco and I was in a very talkative mood and I was picking out a spaghetti sauce and I was going from Prego to Rao's, Rao's, R-A-O-S. And uh, a guy came up to me and he goes, oh, this is the best. This is the best sauce, even though it was like three times the cost. And then another guy came up and said, oh, I love this. This is so good. You have to try this. They just both randomly wanted to share because <laughs> I think they could see that I was trying to decide. And so I was just like, well, what what's so good about it? Why is it so different? And um, of course, it, they say it's homemade, but it's thicker. So it goes further and it really is good. 
homemade. Homemade in a a million jars. 352 (laughs) jars of that in one Costco and it's homemade. Let's see if I get that right. No, it's very flavorful. What else? Are you sure they didn't have a Costco tag on and they were selling you on? No. Well, and then I actually went and looked it up at another store. And if you want to buy it and you have a Costco membership, it's half the price. You get a two, two jars for the same price you pay for one jar at another store, almost like 80%. Wow. And then just, so just a great sauce. I mean, of course you can make your homemade sauce, go for it, but just a great red sauce with some fresh Parmesan cheese on, it can be tortellini or just a fettuccine noodle or a, a penne noodle. So just find a nice noodle. And some people like to buy them fresh. I've, that's not our bent. We typically just buy the dried pasta and cook it. So just think that with a really good sauce, some fresh cheese and a nice salad and maybe a nice loaf of bread. I was going to say, where's there the loaf go. of Italian bread or French <laughs> bread? Come on. What, what are you waiting for? That's what you start with, Tom. Yes. And how do you make and your bread? Butter. No, you do. You like the olive oil and uh, balsamic oh, with yeah. a little what, salt. What, you don't, no, you don't use like French bread for that though. You have to use the thicker, um, what's that kind of bread? Is it called artisan bread? Okay. Yeah. The artisan bread. Oh. Carrie, now I'm now you're really hungry. hungry. This All is right, terrible. This is great. I'm making a Costco run. I got to get some of that thick <laughs> Italian bread. That, but that would so not be Lent. I know. How, how can how I eat the best Lenten? bread on a Friday in Lent? That doesn't, something doesn't wrong work. about that. But, but it's still, you, I'm still drawn to it. How about you do like a real simple minestrone soup with bread? Yeah. So just, it's just not going back for a second. Or it's just taking a slice. And then the nice thing is you can save it for the morning and have great French toast. Well, you you bought that um, roasted pepper tomato so- soup. Yes. And I I can make that in a cup. Okay. Like a cup of it. It's a quick lunch. Yeah, it's quick and easy lunch. Um, so I've had that twice this week. Okay. So... Um, so that, that's, you know, that's an easy option too. You know, an easy option. And this is all kids love. This is breakfast for dinner. It's the waffle or pancake or French toast with some, uh, eggs and maybe we have an air fryer so we can do those. Um, what are they called? The, the potato. Oh yeah. 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 Um, it's escaping my mind, but air fryer, my kids, love it they just throw in their chicken or their yeah hash brown hash browns or they we put in um what else do we do in the air fryer uh potatoes Bread, potatoes just there's several things oh bacon i love doing bacon in the air fryer not on a friday no well this is the thing about costco i'm like who are your buyers i got the clam chowder thinking oh clam chowder it has bacon in it yep. <laughs> clam chowder with bacon that's like okay you guys don't know i'm not actually i don't know how many people actually sh- that are Catholic that shop there, but still it is good with the bacon, but you just can't have it on Fridays. You have to suffer through. <laughs> Anyhow, there's my tip for food. Nice. A really great Rayo's sauce. And that's R-A-O apostrophe S. Yeah. It's Rayo's. very thick, a lot of flavor. It's worth it. And uh, it, if you want to be a little bit more sacrificial, you can buy the Prego. The really cheap sauce. Carrie, I bought... <laughs> Or I bought, a big, of, I bought like, a big thing. I was like at the dollar store and I bought this big thing of Prego sauce. It was huge. It was cheap. And it sat in our... You have to freeze it. It yeah. sat for like two years and then we just threw it out. Is that right? Just painful. You can see... No, I, I actually opened it up once and I tried it and it was terrible. Yeah. Every now and then we have to throw sauce in the freezer because I forget to use it. So just do that before or 
this sauce, you'll use the whole can because it's that hearty and it's that flavorful. Um, and it doesn't, I'm not, what I'm saying is it doesn't go far yeah. like a prego. So anything else you want to say about your fasting or your, rela- your relationship to food or this Lent? Um, I'm loving making you salads that are really good. You eat pretty healthy. Like I, I'm considering what you eat versus what I eat. No, I guess we have a little bit of different. What we have for breakfast and lunch is different than our dinner. Um, I I want to eat less. I want to. I, I just want to go back to a more rigorous. It's it's so weird. I eat more day to day during Lent than I've been eating outside of Lent. You know what it is? The weather. Can I just blame it on this really? terrible, okay. cold? Hey, well, I'll sign up for that. The weather is so bad. And I don't, like, honestly, I don't know if I can live in this area 10 years from now and have a winter that doesn't end until the end of March. I need it to end the end of February. Are you sounding, you're sounding really slow. If I could live anywhere in the country, why do I have to stay? Like, this is the thing about people moving. It's so, we're so, um, we're so migrating. Yeah. Just moving anywhere that looks great and amazing. And so I'm thinking, I don't know if I love, I like the snow, but I just don't like five months of it. We've never moved because of weather. We've always moved because of family or because of mission uh, community you know, for community, like those types of, like, those are the core things. It's never been, Oh, weather. Yeah. It, I remember you brought up a family that were saying, Oh, we would never move to where you guys moved to Spokane or Cortland because of the weather. Now. And it, that was just such a puzzle to me. Like, are you kidding me? When there's so many other goods that are here that are so much more important. I think people are moving to red or blue States. Typically, people are leaving blue states for red states. And that is probably the m- number one issue is the violence and uh, immigration and homeless and addictions and, and, and politics. So that when I follow these different pages on Facebook, that's the number one reason. But I'm just saying there's a lot of great places to go, especially when you have a longer growing season. It is wor- It is wonderful to be able to have that. I don't know if people that actually live here realize how sh- how long their winter is. So Carrie, here's a here's a cute story. It's a big problem. Now, I so I picked up a guy at the airport today to bring him to a house to look at, and he was from Canada, and he said Calgary and Edmonton, and he's very involved in the Catholic faith, and he brought up a couple of guys that I bumped into when I was up in Calgary in Alberta. Uh, you don't remember these names, but Mark Malik and John Connolly. These were two guys, but he knows remember? them. He mentioned their names. I remember going and staying in an amazing hotel and people very involved in that ministry. Was, that was an oil guy, an oil tycoon. But do you remember that tiny school of evangelization? Oh, yes. yes outside yes. of Edmonton. Yes. In the middle of It was like, nowhere. it's like a, a mission, like what our girls did, uh, Adventures on Mission, but it was up in Canada. Yeah. So it was a, it was like the JP2 School of Evangelization. There were like 25 kids they would disciple. Yeah. And they would be there for the whole grad. school year. Yes. And Anyhow. I, I was, I taught for a week and you were with me and you came and visited. This guy knew the school. He's like, I don't think I've ever met anybody in America who's ever heard of Radway, Alberta. And so we got a big kick out of that, that we both 
were aware of this school, uh, this tiny school in the middle of nowhere. But it was it was kind of neat. It was just weather related yes. because he was talking about weather around here. And he's like, well, snow doesn't bother me at all. I think it's it's snow doesn't bother me. It's the overcast. That's what bothers me. And I think related to food, I notice when I'm just kind of feeling like sluggish and it is related to cold and overcast, I will go into the kitchen and look for something to, I don't know, just nibble on. But I'm trying to it's not like a mouse. I just I, nibble on like a mouse. I I'm trying not to eat between meals. That's one of my things. Is and it's not necessarily hard. It's just I need a I need a great mission. I like that. Well, we'll talk about mission and relationship to fellowship in just a minute, Carrie. We're up against another break. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran and Carrie. Tomorrow's your birthday. <laughs> did, did you know that? I did. We heard about faith and fellowship and food and fiesta. Time for a party. Uh, but before we get to the party, there is fellowship. And and you are, are discussing a book. You're starting today, actually, later today. Um, the book is This Present Paradise. And it's offering uh, like daily reflections for women drawn from the life of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. And uh, I didn't know this, but she had written a series of letters to her sister uh, about being a mom and about finding holiness in the world. I think her sister wanted, wanted to go on a retreat. And so she wrote her a retreat to do at home as a mom. Oh, ta-da, even better. Thank you. You you, uh, you nuanced what I was saying. Um, but I love that. I didn't know that. Blessed, see, I, I always knew her as Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, but now she's become a saint. When I first read her, uh, she wasn't even blessed. She was just sister. And you read about her or read her writings? Yeah, yeah I was introduced to her back in the 80s. I'm 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 early to catch on to these things. You're old, is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> but there was a one of the only books in English on her life and her like teachings or writings, and I remember that I was spiritually smitten with her. <laughs> okay. you had a spiritual crush. I had a spiritual crush on then Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity. Was it because of her writings then? Because or? of her writings. Okay, so this is now you're really you're asking me to reach into the to the to the memory bank here. Have you seen a photo? Yes. Oh, you have. She's not that attractive physically. Well, she's not unattractive. Yeah. Well, I I was attracted to her, like her holiness. Okay. Um, when she entered the convent, she had to answer a questionnaire, and um, it was what was the most important spiritual gift her. And I still remember it was being pure of heart. Not beautiful. That being pure of heart was like the most important thing because when you're pure, you're unpolluted. And if you're unpolluted in your heart, that means the Lord can dwell there. And that's what she became known for. She became known for her spirituality of communing with the blessed Trinity within her heart. 
So by going within, she was a she was a discalced Carmelite sister. She was a contemporary of the little flower, St. Therese. St. Therese was in Lisieux, France, in the 1870s and 80s, early 90s. Uh, Sister Elizabeth of the Trinity was in Dijon, France, again, sort of north-central, northwest France in the 1880s, 90s, early 1900s. Oh, so just after. Right in that same period of time, there was this overlap where these two amazing saintly women um, entered the Discalced Carmelite Convent. What happened to France? I'm thinking, what great saints do we have and what's going to happen to our country? We need some saints. We need a couple of saints like these two heavy hitters. And um, so Sister Elizabeth Trinity, I have to have to say that I, so I discovered her, like her writings or teachings, but also a sense of like spiritual friendship where I would ask for her intercession for, you know, for decades before other people even had heard her name. So I felt like I was in a small crowd and now all of a sudden she becomes blessed and then a saint now. Now you get all these moms. She has no time for you. Pecking at her. And she I'm like, feels okay. bad for all the moms. I know. I know. I'm like, okay. I just got <laughs> crowded out. But if she's going to pray for you, then I got, I can, I can do a victory lap. I want her praying for you. Maybe that's how it works. Yeah. So the woman who wrote the book, you actually have kind of an indirect connection to. Well, she went to Franciscan University, but I don't know who she is. Well, that's an indirect connection. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty indirect. Well, there's. <laughs> Isn't the the case that she studied with one of the women that's coming to your study? They I just were in the same class. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, they were best friends. It's like when they're I, best friends. When I introduce that's... you and I say you dated Jesus before, I said you broke up with Jesus to date me. So it, it sounds so much better that way <laughs> than you were the math tutor for Jim Caviezel. Is that, that's right. That was like the guy you were uh, listening to who played for the NFL. Oh, and yeah. you're like, well, it's kind of overinflated because he was only five seven. So I don't know how he actually. So then you. Yeah, he was on the practice squad for the Canadian Football League's worst team for a spring season and never made it, never signed a contract. There you go. Was... But he played professional football, right? So it's one of those. You can play with those uh, ideas really well. Absolutely. Isn't that like our friend who said he was being looked out, out by scouts? Yeah. They were scouting me. Yeah. It probably oh, blew goodness. out my knee. Yep. It was really a hard end to my career. Yep. I was nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was such a, he was woulda, coulda, shoulda. Oh, He'd be, yeah. I remember distinctly, he was my roommate when I went to Catholic University and I was studying theology. This guy was going to Catholic University and studying law. How so you we, doing? How you doing? How He's you from, doing? Jersey. from Jersey. Hey, He's how are you? So How's Jersey. the family? How are you? How's the family? <laughs> So he was so funny because he'd tell me these stories. Oh yeah, I was so good. I was a running back, and and then the college scouts were looking at me, blew my knee out. I was nine, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was hockey. Oh yeah, I was so good at hockey. Oh yeah, really? You played ice hockey? No, it was floor hockey. <laughs> but I was so good. Oh, you couldn't stop me. You know, it. it God bless us. So he needed to face, embrace, and replace some of yeah, the, yeah. some of the ego that was there. Um, but a, a, a place of fellowship, Carrie, this present paradise is is all about. You can come into a sense of connection to heaven while you live your life on earth, and that is so important, right? If you can if you can touch the reality of heaven, which is God, 
If you can touch the reality of God in a, in a communion that's in, interior to your heart, and that can permeate your everyday life, the literally the mundane, the worldly, the here and now and today, if the here now and today can be permeated by the forever, the eternal, the everlasting, that changes everything. So good. So true. Yeah. And so I, I read a few of the, the the first few meditations. Well, the funny thing is you're, you were asking me like two weeks ago, hey, where'd this book come from? And I'm thinking, what book? Oh, this book I'm reading. It's just really good. And I'm thinking, uh, maybe just came in the mail. You're supposed to do an interview. Maybe somebody on the radio. I'm not really sure. And then you start to tell me about it. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I ordered that about a month ago because they did that book on abiding with me last year during Lent. And it sounded pretty good. And then that that day, I texted a bunch of moms and said, hey, let's do a book club. We have like six weeks left in Lent. We'll just do this, but we're going to run it through all of April. And so it was really a blessing because many of them were like, yes, we're in, we're in. And then um, I invited like four or five other moms to join us that haven't joined. And um, it just worked out to be, you know, this is not my like, oh, I can't wait to do this. It's more, you feel a call and you just try to be obedient. And it's- Don't tell that to the women. (laughs) They all know me well enough. And I try to tell them, like really sell myself low so that they all step up. That's, That's the strategy here. Oh, I don't know what to do about food. I'll take care of that. Oh, I don't know what to do with the Stop clean my house. Oh, you're so good. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, but no, so I'm excited to do this book. I've read a few chapters. And so you're reading the chapters and you thought I read two or three and I'm like, okay, this is for moms. This is for <laughs> uh this is not for me. And I, I was trying to like, oh, let me make it for let me see if this fits for everybody. And and it and it can fit for everybody, but it's definitely the the it, it's the mom it, at home it's for moms at home at it home. is that yeah. it just kind of day in and day out just kind of really doing that important work right that doesn't feel um noticed and it's not a bad thing you know you pick your audience and then you write for that audience and and having that greater sense of specificity concentrating on that audience is a really valuable thing because i think that there are many women who had a vision for their lives that involved work and career and, and being out in the world and making an impact there. And all of a sudden they're home and got a whole bunch of kiddos and diapers and they're overwhelmed with just the day-to-day stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, what just happened? And where's God in all that? And where's God? And yeah. why does God want me to have a big family or why should I be open to life when it's such a hard cross? Yep. Yes. Yeah. You, you better have an answer for that. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> and just say something about your husband. You know what? It's only possible with a loving husband, something like that. There you go. Yeah, that's you know, you know, you're not buying what I'm selling. All right. Well, hey, tomorrow is your birthday, and I love you. Thank you, Tom. I love you, and I have been rallying the troops to make this a great birthday month. I mean, weekend. I mean, day, oh. uh, or at least at least a breakfast, a birthday breakfast. Wait a minute. Two of the kids That's are good. Be Just there. set my expectations oh, low. That's yes. what you got to do. Yeah, birthday brunch, a birthday card. We're going to give you a birthday card. Well, um, honoring you is, it's an important thing for my kids to see me do that for you. So that's something that I will do. Well, um, Carrie, thanks for being with me on the program today. I appreciate it. I pray, brothers and sisters, that you have a great, blessed first Friday in Lent. And uh, join me on Monday for more of the program. <laughs>